the galaxy, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes into the people, places, concepts, and things from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm here with my fellow Force cataloger, Ross. Mac, great to be here today. We have a couple of fun topics we're going to talk about. We're going to go into some sequel trilogy stuff. We're going to mm-hmm. go into some prequel stuff. We're going to go into some legend stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about everything. We're going to about the cycle a little bit. We're going to gonna yeah. go around. We're going to break down one of our big protagonist characters. We're going to look mm-hmm. at Jakku, who's time, I'm sorry, Ray. Uh, on Jakku, her time as a scavenger on Jakku. Yeah, what was that like for her? And while we don't have a ton of her story so far, we have a little bit to talk about. So we're going to start there. And then, from that point, we're going to hop on over to the Force Jump, Force Leap, Force Fall, Force... Force Hang Time. Yeah, what do you want to... Yeah, yeah, Force Fall. Yeah, Force (laughs) Physics, whatever you want to call it. The Force saying, no, 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 Gravity. Go away. <laughs> Gravity's a mere suggestion when you can manipulate the force. Only in your mind does gravity exist. <laughs> and then finally, we have one last topic, and that is a topic that I know Mac has been waiting to do. I am pretty excited about for it. For as long as he can remember. I'm excited to see how he can how long he can talk about it. Because there really isn't more than about forty five seconds worth of information. No, not really. So I'm excited to see how he's gonna stretch it to at least ten minutes. But we will talk about yellow lightsabers. Yes, That's the we thing. Will. <laughs> All right, in fact, you know what? Let's not dilly-dally. Let's just go. I'm ready. Alright, so, we're going to talk about our first topic. We are going to talk about, as we've been doing, taking a character and kind of getting a chunk of them. These massive, big protagonist characters, we kind of need to break them down a little bit more because there's so much to do that, while we we could do a whole episode on them, for our own pace and our ability to research it, (laughs) we do want to slow it down. So we're going to talk about Rey and kind of her humble beginnings, sort of. The story so far of Ray from birth to basically um, the events of episode seven yeah. when she leaves Jakku. So yeah, Ray on Jakku. Ray from her time of birth to the time that uh, the Force awakens inside of her. Right. Right. Uh, it. Remember when you said that? Boy, it'll be interesting to see. Like, does the Force awakens mean something differently in context? 
And it's sort of still sort of the vague maybe yeah. that it always I mean, was. I mean, I, I guess you can presume that, like, obviously the Force Awakening in Rey, and then obviously uh, I think now we can say the Force Awakening in Finn. Yes. And then they also imply that the Force made an entire platoon of uh, First Order troopers defect yeah. in yeah. the Rise of Skywalker. So the Force has definitely done some stuff. Force has been busy. I would agree with that. I think okay. I think the way the way I read that now is the act of Kylo Ren causes the Force to go whoa 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 we gotta we gotta autocorrect for that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you went nuts you killed all your friends and mm-hmm. uh, we gotta whew, we gotta <laughs> fix that all right so um, where can we activate the Force where's our sleeper agents out there in the galaxy who need some Force powers we'll go find them because <laughs> um, that's I would say, at least from the cosmic force and how it works in the world, that seems to be sort of the inciting incident is the yeah. incident at, at Luke's temple where the, the 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 noble path of the Jedi learning to like balance with the force just goes sideways. It does seem like that is the virgin. So we have this character who is born to a uh, attempted clone of Palpatine and a human woman. Um, oh. So, so we basically you know, have... How would you describe... Her parents? Yeah. With all the vast details that we know about them. Well, the big thing about it is they're basically... Um, they're almost still this black silhouettes at the at the middle of uh, Last Jedi because there's not much known about them as far as their history. The biggest thing about it is she is, in fact... Spoilers. Uh, she is the the granddaughter, essentially, of Sidious. Mm-hmm. She is the granddaughter of Sheev Palpatine. And the way it works is, yes, Sheev tries to continue his line in different ways during his time in the Empire. Mm-hmm. And one of those experiments, vaguely, is he does have a son. He has a a, a clone, a offspring, a, a, a quote-unquote child that at least at some level he treats yes. as separate from himself as this is my this is my son yes um and we can kind of imply that because he's a nice guy he's a failure and 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 Sheev is not very entertained by how he was because yes. he ends up and goes and finds some girl he marries they have a family yes. and he um you know he ends up having a daughter and that daughter needs protected from granddad because granddad has all kinds of crazy ideas for that whole group of people so they take her across the galaxy trying to find a safe place. They end up on Jakku. They leave her there. And then her parents are abducted by Ochi and taken. And uh, they... when they refuse to give the up where where Ray is, yes. Ochi murders the hell out of them. Yes. And um, I'd love to know why that ruse works. I'd love to know why uh, a bounty hunter that the Emperor trusts doesn't think that Maybe they're lying. I'll go back to this planet with like three people on it well, and check. My suspicion is that that scene happens months, if not years later. Like mm. I have the idea that Ochi is led on a fairly long chase mm. to get them. And by the time he finds them, they're like, no, you'll never find her. And as we've deeply, profoundly yeah. established in the movies before this, and no one's from nowhere. I'm from Jakku. That's pretty much nowhere. Like, it seems that only people at the Battle of Jakku know or care about Jakku. Well, but here's <laughs> the thing, though. They were abducted yeah. from Jakku. Like, Ochi caught up with them on Jakku. Well, they have to have left Jakku 
by the visual that we see because we see Unker Plot holding Ray as her parents leave in the ship. Which so is Ochi's ha- ship. Oh, that's right. It is, isn't yeah. it? Oh, that's, that's right. That is retroactively and in, Ochi's ship. And in the scene, I think Ray's mother says she's not on Jakku. She's gone. You'll never find her. And, and I'm just saying just that's like, not a very convincing ruse. Well, we don't know much about Ochi. Maybe he doesn't understand basic and so he just didn't understand what they were saying so he just killed him out of anger maybe but he was hired by the secretly dead emperor and had a secret sith dagger so he must have been trusted somewhat but he might have just been just responding saying, to a craigslist ad you never know like you're you're thinking he's like hand selected as one yeah, of the emperor's I hands am. and like I maybe am. he's not maybe he's just like on the, the dial a hunter like not network of that's like, all he could get boss right. was busy boss was busy. <laughs> okay well, I mean, that could be, that could be. I mean, this guy was a Jedi hunter, right? Well, I, I totally thing, forget about the so... right, fact you're right. His ship is the yeah. ship in Seven, which hmm. makes it hard. Yeah. Because especially considering it's very established in Nine that that is well, his ship. It's not like he found their ship and stole it after he right. killed them. Like, it's, it's it Sith. Is. It's yeah. Sith. Yeah. So, okay. So what we know is that basically Ochi abducted Ray's parents from Jakku Believed their lie, didn't go back and check for her. Or when he did, just didn't find her. Like, for sure. all we know, Unker Plot actually did hide her in some meaningful sure, it's way. possible. The point of the matter is, he doesn't find her. So <laughs> she spends the rest of her formative years on Jakku. Yeah, yeah. and she has a few other uh, bits of content before we get to her. In The Force Awakens, the most notable being the Before the Awakening um, young reader novel. Mm-hmm. Basically... The uh, thing to take away here is that Rey is good at scavenging, and that is just because she has essentially, you know, her full life is forged in that desert, essentially. She's been trawling the wrecks in this starship Mm -hmm. graveyard since she was tiny. And basically the other thing it adds to her story is this is how she learns how to fly. She basically rebuilds a ship and has this flight simulator that she is able to practice in. And that is how she learns how to pilot and, you know, how to repair a ship. She basically spends all of her free time working on this. And at one point almost has a path to escape, but uh, accidentally, well, not accidentally, gets left behind mm. and, uh, you know, is not, does not leave the planet. And then that's where we meet her. A theme theme of her life. And, and she's just yeah. working, like, grabbing junk like we saw in Seven where coming back, trading yep. for portions. She's hauled out an ATAT. She's made into a makeshift home. Mm-hmm. And she seems like she's got very few friends in Nima Outpost. Like, she's got some people that are kinder to her. She's got some people who are not, like, Unker Plot. But, plot, but like, yeah. she's just, it's a very miserable existence. It's a very loner life. There's no doubt about it. She doesn't have communication. All she has is daydreaming and hoping for something better and surviving. And she puts all of those hopes into this idea of her parents returning. That she sees when her parents left as it was a whoopsie. They 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 left her for the afternoon and then forgot to come home. And uh, they'll anytime now. Yeah. Anytime now. Yeah. Sure, it's been the better part of twelve years, but anytime now. <laughs> Yeah, she is loyal to the idea of them, even if she doesn't necessarily... You know, we never really understand how much Ray remembers here in this moment, you know, uh, pieces as pieces of her story are revealed to us later. We never really know for sure 
what she remembers or what, you know, has been sort of lost to her, uh, you know, blocking out a traumatic experience. But when she has the opportunity to leave, you know, when she's presented with this little orange and white droid rolling up to her, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to follow her around, when she kind of finds herself in the moment, she takes the opportunity and gets off of Jakku. Yeah. And we get to see a lot about her characters. So in episode seven, we get to see... Kind of her day to day, crawling through a star destroyer, yes. pulling things down, ripping things apart, and how she's got that very standard—I'll be—I can say it now—Skywalker thing. Uh, so, what did you do as a youth? I played with electronics a lot. Why? Because that's what Skywalkers do. That's just what they do. Force users like tinkering with stuff. It's very established. Um, and we see that, you know, she's put together, she's wired up power and stuff inside this ATAT. She kind of has been able to do it, do it. She's obviously been an email outpost a lot. She's got this system down and she kind of <laughs> knows what her stuff's worth now. And mm-hmm. she's pressing against the fact of like, that's it. That's all you're going to give me for that. This is garbage. <laughs> um, yes. we see her very, in some ways, just committed to her existence, the way she looks at listfully at like uh, of like women who are older than her that are cleaning the parts and like, mm-hmm. okay, well, when I grow old and I can't go through the stars, I guess I'll clean parts. That's that's my hopeful future. <laughs> um, so she has to look forward to, yeah. And we see that she's very athletic between the climbing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She's resourceful with how she's like made a a, a sled to get herself around. Mm-hmm. And when she meets BB-8 and some people come for like. We see that she's wicked good with that staff she made. She that's not for show. That's she's defended herself a lot and is very capable of doing so. Yes, she's able to protect herself. She's not afraid to, and that is something that they make sure is established right away. Is mm-hmm. that Ray is capable and confident on her own, and that the growing she'll have to do as a character is not in a physical way necessarily. Yeah, and some of the other things I think you can infer about her character is just how practical she is. She's mm-hmm. got a very grounded view of how things mm-hmm. should happen. Other than wistfully looking for her family, she's very realistic, which is why like BB-8 sort of shakes her entire world. Because it's like, hey, I'll take the droid for all this portions. And she goes, yeah, that doesn't feel right. I uh, can't do that. I Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Me and round friend are going to stick together. <laughs> A true uh, force moment. Yes. Right? A true moment of destiny calling out. Uh, you know, a gut feeling, as you'd say. She right. searched her feelings and found that <laughs> she couldn't part with BB-8. Yes, even if she doesn't know why. Um, and that, I think, is just showing loyalty and friendship early on. You know, showing how important those things are to her. And showing that... While she is a loner, while she, I mean, she's very clearly setting her up as being literally alone. Mm-hmm. She is not afraid of contact with other people. She is not afraid to help others. She is not afraid to, you know, stick up for what she believes in. Despite all of her experiences, none of them have embittered her. She's still got a very positive yeah. view of people and sense of justice and all that kind of good stuff. And when the opportunity kind of arises for her to make that decision, of getting out of there or sticking around and waiting for her family, it's tough for her. Yeah. Even when she's sort of forced by being shot at by a couple of TIE fighters, 
she still doesn't want to leave permanently. Her plan is to go back. Her plan is to she continue very, her existence of waiting. She very much denies the call all through the rest of this movie until sort of the end where she's like, mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I got away from a family. I can't go with you. Uh, if you were uh, offering me a job. Yeah. I say even when they're like running, it's like, well, there's a ship. We can take that. No, it's garbage. We're not going <laughs> to like if we're gonna, if we're going to leave, we got to leave in a ship that I can come back on. One that won't fall apart as we leave. Uh, one also, just real <laughs> yeah. quick aside, just again, thinking of Star Wars as a movie, not as a real place. Also amazing that apparently braiding her own hair. Yes. She has a very complex yes. haircut for someone who has no one to help her tie all those those little three ponytails up that's there. A very good point. Do you think she sleeps with it in like that? Do you think that's a constant? I, I can't. The amount of work that would need be required for a person to do that by themselves mm-hmm. with like a mirror every mm-hmm. morning. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's, it's very dry. Mm-hmm. She'll be fine. Let's talk about some of her possessions. She's got, uh, obviously, her countdown wall. Yes. Very much like you have your quarantine board, right? She's got her countdown wall. And much like uh, that, she's had to add on sections because <laughs> we ran out of room. Yep. Uh, she's got her uh, fighter pilot helmet, you know, presumably from the Rebellion or, you know, the New Republic. Yep. Uh, she's got uh, some like uh, what I what I like to describe as cornhus dolls, the Star Wars yeah. equivalent of uh, you know these these little handmade sort of burlap and uh, stuffed figures, little toys. toys, yeah, little dolls, yeah, yeah totally. available at Galaxy Edge now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's got, uh, I mean, she's got some cooking supplies and some stuff like that. You know, she heats up her that shoe leather stuff she's got. I, I really enjoy that whole scene of her her little hovel yes. because it's like that is what every nerdy Star Wars kids like pretend imaginary clubhouse would be. It's like a oh, place where you sure. put on fighter pilot helmets. It's inside an ATAT and it's got cool little Texans text inside of it. You know, yes. it, it's it's a cute little scene because it also reminds us of just how much. Uh, Star Wars is affected. Like they don't spend time explaining what the Walker is. You saw Empire Strikes Back. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like even a general audience is expected to know. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and uh, the one other thing I think that is intrinsic to what we we see go on is again the dead end nature of it. Like she's aware of what will happen if her family doesn't come back, and we kind of get the first in playings like. She doesn't really believe her family's coming back, but she has to for mm-hmm. her own mental well-being. That has to be the truth. The thing that's the thing that's got her through fifteen plus years of survive. You know, twenty, well, twelve years or so surviving on this planet is thinking that there's a better tomorrow. And one of the things I think the scene with her bringing the first haul back from the Star Destroyer is kind of explaining is the good stuff's been picked clean. What's left is getting less and less and less valuable as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the good sensor arrays and the fancy computers and the good electronics, it's been mostly picked clean. There's not as much claim for that stuff over the, what are we at? Uh, 28 years, 29 years of since the Battle of Jakku? Yeah, yeah. So people have been crawling yeah. through there for three decades, essentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not like it's replenishing itself. No, no, it yeah. will run out. Yeah, they're... Unless someone digs up one of those Emperor's observation towers that was destroyed. Mm. Probably not going to find anything else. But then again, right, I guess the whole point is that they they talk about it in some of the novelizations and stuff, that 
as the sand blows, more treasures become revealed and other treasures get buried again. You know, it's yeah. it may seem like there's nothing there and who knows, could get to a point where for years there's nothing there and then all of a sudden the most valuable treasure can be out there, you know, just because it was buried for so long. Or some so that's kind Corvette of the, that... maybe the lore of the of the world there, you know, for the treasure hunter. And I think the thing is, though, and even with that in mind, after 30 years, yeah, it's it's not, you know, this place probably has another two decades in it, but like it's going to eventually just yes. be scrap metal. There won't be good stuff left sure. over anymore. For sure. And I think that's important because I think Ray deep down inside knows that her life on this planet is a dead end, which is why at the end, when she really gets pushed into it. She realized her destiny was never to stay there. Yeah. Well, really, it's it's Maz kind of who guides her towards that, right? It's kind of who tells her you need to stop looking behind you and look ahead, not to the family you once had, but the family you could find. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's where her story eventually ends, right? Is with her finding her family uh, that she chooses, and that basically doesn't get put into her head until that moment there after mm-hmm. Finn and Han and Maz all tell her, no, back to Jakku, back to Jakku, that's crazy. You don't want to go back there. No. It's horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a really awful place. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than, you know, Zuvio, there's just not a good, decent person in that entire town. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, I think there's also a lot more to uncover as we go forward because... There is definitely some like teenage novels of Ray mm-hmm. surviving on this planet that would be interesting to have tell- mm-hmm. told. Love to know how she gets that speeder bike built. I'd love to know yeah. who teaches her stick fighting. Yeah, true. Um, true. I'd love mm-hmm. to know the moment that she she claimed the ATAT as her home. When did yeah? When did she build that speeder? Uh, when did she think that it'd be cool to build stormtrooper uh, lenses into cool <laughs> goggles? Uh, Yes. And I think one of the more mysterious things is Uncle Plot is definitely the person who takes custody of Ray when her parents go. Mm-hmm. He does not seem like a parental figure, even kind of at any other point in the movie. So it's like, no, what is the relationship between these two? Is it like boss and like and like employee? Like, yeah. like, well, it does say that she works for Ankar, that she's part of his, you know, junk salvaging train. crew. Or but whatever. I mean, really, aren't you really just like a. I don't know, what would you call it? Like a contract worker? Yeah, where's like the new Republic? The, the new Republic you know? fought the Empire to, to save this world from Imperial rule. You'd think there would be some bureaucrat here just explaining what wage contracts are about. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you would think, right? I think Nima Outpost is a little too out in the boonies. It's, mm. it's like it's like Wyoming. It's, it's part of the Union, but most people just don't pay attention to it. That always seems to be the problem, doesn't it? Yeah. Always yeah. seem to be the problem. The little guys always get those screwed. outer worlds. Yeah, no, How no. You get a fascist regime to just come up, try and take over the galaxy yet again. Well, you know what? They were over in in you know the 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 unknown regions. They're unknown. How could we have known what they were doing? <laughs> All right. Should have had a wayfinder. Mm-mm-mm. That's true. Well, I I think it's kind of interesting because I think one last thing I would say that's kind of fascinating to me. As far as I know, she never goes back to Jagu. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, as Ray's story continues to unfold. What else for there? I mean, maybe one day there'll be a, a hot crime lord she needs to take down on Jakku. No, that's interesting. Isn't there Jakku. a hot on Jakku in the aftermath trilogy? I think there is. 
wouldn't surprise a, a me. Big old fat. But they deeply well. They like also that. really established in like new canon that something does happen to the the hut syndicates. Like they're not nearly as omnipotent as they were yeah. in the Civil War mm-hmm, era. Mm-hmm. Um, if only we had say like I don't know. Uh, Solo 2 to fill in the blanks of exactly what the criminal underworld mm-hmm. looks like going into Civil War so we could extrapolate out that what's happening mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. other side. Maybe one day. Yeah, we'll get there, hopefully. Maybe one day. Maybe at the same day when we have more Ray story. And I think we will. I, th- I, think, I think there's still a lot here to, to see. And obviously, it's just a countdown to see what happens afterwards, whether it's yeah. books, comics, video games, whatever. Ray's story is certainly not done. No, not at all. It's just begun. She just got her binary sunset moment. And that's the start of something, not the end of something. That's right. That's what it was in three. That's what it was in four. That's what it is in here. I believe it. All right. Well, hey, you want to leap into another topic? I'm ready. All right, let's come into a landing as we talk about one of the most useful force powers in our series on force powers. We're talking about how you get some good height out Hop, of the force. Skipping the jump all the way on up out of the carbon freezing chamber, up into the cables, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to survive. One of the uh, earliest seen and most exciting force powers, at least in my mind, the force augmented jump. Yeah, the force jump, the force leap sometimes force as it's leap, known. Yes, yes. It's just the idea of the force literally carries you up against gravity a mm-hmm. little more than a normal person can. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not superhero levels. It's still like like world-class athlete going for the high jump, but like cuz their vertical leaps are usually wow. like 7 or 8 feet. I think it's higher than that. I think it's higher it's than that. It's not any Superman. It's not Spider Man, though. I don't know. Did you see Ray and Kylo jumping around that Death Star? I. Those were some high, like 20 feet jumps. I don't recall it that way, but. And that then doesn't also, Qui Gon and Obi Wan jumping up at the uh, end of episode one. Yeah, that's Obi-Wan still Obi Wan has a pretty high jump there. It's still like 12 feet. Like. You think? Yeah. I do. I don't know. It feels higher than that. 
See, this is the problem with CGI. We just don't have any reasonable expectations right. of grounding. Well, when Luke first jumps, let's up, just say they would be, they would, they wouldn't fit in in the NBA, but they would fit in fine with slam ball, like the trampoline powered <laughs> basketball. Yes, yes. I think let's put that. that hey, hey, let's with. put it that way. That's what it is. It's like jumping off a trampoline. It's yes. still something that someone in our world could get that height. Maybe not on their own, but yes, it's not. Augmented. It's not Superman who's jumping the Empire State Building in a single bound. No, no, but they might be able to get to like the twelfth floor. Well, let's okay. So let's talk about it now that we've 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 titter-tatted around yes. exactly what how it works. Let's talk about when we've seen it. You, you mentioned where it started. Yeah, so the first time we really see a forced jump is in The Empire Strikes Back when Luke gets knocked into the carbon freezing pit. Vader turns around, says, all too easy, and tries to flick the switch. He thinks he's got Luke dead to rights, but in the meantime, we see that Luke has jumped up in a flash up into the pipes, the cables hanging down, and he's climbing up, and boy is Vader impressed, that's for sure. It's most impressive. <laughs> most impressive. He has, uh, due to this single great leap, saved himself. And that is the first time we see the Force jump. Now, seeing it in that moment, did you realize it was a Force power? Sort of. So the weird thing about it is because of the limitations of special effects at the time, it's like sped up film. Like yeah. it, you can't really show him go alley-oop yeah. um, because it would require wire work and stuff that just wasn't it's not an option in 79 when we're filming this thing. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of weird that he's almost like this just darting shadow as he just like just clambers out of there at some incredible speed. But we are yes. implied that it's just in one single bound. Yes, yes. Just a... Large, fast leap. Now, that is the primary time we see it in that film. Mm -hmm. We do see um, what is arguably another forced leap in Return of the Jedi. I would say it is. <laughs> so, uh, Luke is uh, bargaining or offering to uh, bargain with Jabba. And uh, he gets pushed off a plank. Mm -hmm. Turns around, grabs the plank, and somersaults himself back up. And we will argue that this is another use of the force jump. I think it's primarily because he does the somersault. Mm -hmm. Like, he shouldn't have enough air from the springboard effect of the plank <laughs> to get a full spinning somersault into a lightsaber grab. Yes. And Super Star Wars, a video game that came out, really, really depends on that being the force leap because that's how you, they differentiate from a normal leap is he somersaults when he gets that extra like double oh, jump height. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. That's so that's fine. why I will always tie it to that. I'll take it. I accept this answer. So that is Luke's other example of the force leap in the original trilogy. Correct. There are no other examples as far as I can remember. Would you agree with that, Mac? I think at least is what we see filmed. Um, pretty much everything else is grounded because the only other time we see force powers going around is one might argue. I don't know if I would, but when Vader full tilt Dracula's down onto Luke, one could say that that is like oh, sure. a for force leap because he definitely falls slower than he should. That's fair. As he's like, oh, I'm huge and just That's billows cape down. Yes. But like, I don't know if it counts, I, but it's, is the only other time I think you could even infer it. Okay. Okay, I'll take that. I accept that as a potential answer. Okay. Now, with the advent of CG <laughs> and the ability of uh, more Hong Kong-style wushu wire work, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, by the time we get to 1999... 
We're going to use the force leap a bit more. <laughs> yes, yes. Obi-Wan is uh, an adept at it. And uh, also the opposite. The Well, not the opposite. But basically the force leap off of something. Basically a long jump down. Yeah, the, the safe the landing prequels. from a, a height that would break most people's legs. Yes, exactly. We see that a fair amount in the prequels. Uh, you know, we see that in Theed with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And then, of course, probably the largest jumps that uh, we see a character make. Uh, in the prequels would well at least in this movie in episode one is obi-wan at the end you know during yes. duel of the fates when they're in the reactor room and uh obi-wan gets knocked over and is jumping up onto the higher walkway you know what i think about now hmm. that's probably another reason why i think luke and return of the jedi is because that's basically the same trick yes obi-wan is gripping with his fingers pulls himself up enough to get up around grab a lightsaber oh, and cut you in half oh i would that's it okay so we're at, we're talking about two different oh moments. oh i'm sorry i'm talking about during the fight earlier when guaygon oh, gets separated in the in the feed reactor room where yes. he's like how do i get there i'm like oh that walkway could get there and he just like really concentrate and then doubles down and jumps yes exactly because he had just gotten kicked off you're right. I guess that I'm would off. be a 15. I was still... Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. That is much higher. That than is much higher. The one you were... We were talking about this a little bit, and yes, that is significantly higher than the jump at the end, which I know what you're talking about, but right. that is also augmented by the Force for sure. Yeah. Like I said, it's very similar to yeah. to Luke's thing, except instead of cutting, cutting a like vibro uh, spear in half, he, he cuts a person. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing he didn't... He survived. Don't want to kill him. Not the Jedi way. No, no, he's fine. <laughs> he's he's fine down there. Uh, okay, now in episode two and three, we see a lot more Force Leaps. There's Force Leaps happening on Geonosis. There's Force Leaps happening in the arena and the droid factory. It, it's become uh, a bread and butter kind of... I mean, it's fine because we saw at the beginning of episode one, as we've mentioned before, like, like kind of the Force speed. Like, mm -hmm. So we're seeing the Jedi at the height of their abilities. They've mastered the Force as much as they can. Mm -hmm. Um... And while the force might be diminished in the universe, they're they're superheroes. They're they're well beyond mortals as far as what they can accomplish. And we see them take advantage of it. And I think they probably not afraid to use it. And I think the we see a, see some of the stuff we're talking about, like you know, um, getting in and out of like the LAATs during the Battle of Geonosis. Um, but I probably think the most important use of the force leap in Episode Two is when Yoda uses it. Like a lot. <laughs> he does. He's uh, quite in control of his leaping, isn't he? Well, when you are fighting an opponent that's about five to six times your height, <laughs> how are you going to fight him? Because you can't even face him at like, you know, center gravity. Oh, I know. What if you like partially fly? <laughs> what if you're just pinballing around the room mm -hmm. so fast with force leap that you are just a flying ball of laser sword wouldn't it be fun to see like someone like luke fight like that with that level of bounce well do you think that is because of yoda's mastery mm -hmm. or do you think that is a style of lightsaber that most like say your normal jedi don't need to learn because they're so used to fighting opponents their same height I would say, if anything, it isn't necessarily like a traditional style, but something Yoda developed to offset his height disadvantage. But do you think that like um, some of the, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy with the cool eye patch on the Jedi Council. He's a little on the short side. I wonder if he uses something like that. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to remember his name. Um, 
It's, uh, I know who you mean too. And I, for the life of me, I, it's not going to come to me. It's okay. We'll move on. Is it Evazon? Don't worry. We'll Peel? get it. Is it Peel. Yes. Peel? Master Peel. Yes. Peel? Uh, like Avon or Evon. Ev- Ev- I, I feel like it's an A. It's right on the top. Tip of my tongue. Yeah. But Master Peel. That, yeah. that That's correct Does enough. That to, right? that, I think that's. I think that's right. Um, he's another character that's a little on the short side. I'm just like, does he do some of that forced yeah. leaping? Like, or is it just because Yoda's 900 years old and he just he gets it? What episode? He's in an episode of the Clone Wars. He is. What episode is that? Is that the? He's Citadel? a sequence. Yeah, because it's the one with Tarkin, Captain mm, Tarkin. Yes, 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 yes. That is the Citadel. It's a good episode. It is. Anyway, um, I you know, good point. No, he he doesn't fight in that Yoda style that we see there. No, I guess he doesn't. But or at least he doesn't in that to. battle. Who yeah, knows? He could. He has, Who knows? Do you think Mace Windu could do that? He is like the Jedi battle master. Mm. Um, I get the feeling no. No, I think it's mm. just a Yoda thing. But he's very good at it. It was wild at the time. <laughs> it was wild. And we see like in episode three of them jumping through elevator shafts on the in- invisible mm-hmm. hand. We see, see, you know, all kinds of force acrobatics as they're fighting over Mustafar. Yeah, that's the other big one, of course. Um, and we just see that this is just an important skill of the Jedi. Um, I think the one thing I like is other than Master Yoda, like it always seems like a force leap is like a, you got to think about it. You can't just leap and hope it'll carry. It seems like <laughs> almost every time they do it, it's like beat, 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 jump. Yeah. I got to um, charge up. Yeah, exactly. And most of the time they do. You see them kind of squat down onto mm-hmm. their calves before they, they bolt mm-hmm. out. So it does require at least some physical expenditure of energy to get the force to just carry whatever natural jump you provided. Yeah. Um, even if that jump is into being Ginzu'd off for three of your limbs. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a thing. Sometimes it's just not enough for sleep. Nope. Sometimes um, you just need a little more. The other comment I want to say about for sleep is this is obviously a huge part of so many of the game side of star Wars, whether that's the role playing games kind of codifying exactly when and how you can do it because it's such a thing that you might want to do as a player playing your character, the video games I mentioned, uh, JVC's, um, super star Wars and super return of the Jedi all focus on the ability to force leap. Um, the place I think I learned the name Force Leap was why it's still Leap in my head is I believe that's what they called it in Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, mm. um, which was one of the first games that really gamified a lot of the mechanics of sure, sure. stuff. And when you realize that, you know, it took place like two years before episode one, as far as like when it was made, it's kind of crazy how much of that stuff sort of seems charmingly silly compared to what you eventually get in the prequels of like, mm-hmm. Oh, he can, he can leap like a good six feet. That's crazy. <laughs> he can run a little bit faster. He can like sprint. He can push and pull a few things, not throw droids around. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all throughout Jedi based games, whether it's like Obi-Wan for the Xbox or Jedi power battles or, yeah. or, all of these games, uh, the Knights of the Republic games involve them, and Force Unleashed. all of that stuff. Yeah. And the most recent one that showed it is again that somersault. How important it is is our friend, uh, you know, Cal Kestis gets yeah. it from. Uh, that's sort of how it manifests for him is like a double jump. Is he leaps into the air and then he does a somersault that the Force whips him a little higher, mm-hmm. which is uh, a little extra dash of boost. Yeah, just a, a little. You know, you got to do it with style. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, for sleep, a really important one. 
I don't yeah. think I have anything more. So, I mean, it's a, it's, is it the most used horsepower we see in Star Wars film? It's either that or push. Yeah. It, it, the, and as we've discussed, push and pull are two separate ones. If you add them together, then it's certainly that. Sure. But there is a lot of pushing in the prequels, but they throw droids around yeah, a lot. Yeah, that might be a good point. Good point. But it's it's got to be close, and it absolutely is something we see in all three trilogies. That's yes. for sure. Yes, we didn't talk about really the giant leaps in the sequel trilogy let's go over that real quick yeah um well let's see force awakens uh yep where would you say well force awakens we see a lot of the moments that i i feel like on the edges could have been them but we don't actually see them like when like ray's hanging off the edge of that <laughs> whole like installation yeah. there's a part of me that's going like well she might have force leaped around but we don't see it yeah uh same with kylo kylo's on a lot of precarious things but he yeah. doesn't actually jump even when the planet is breaking down on star killer they're, yeah. they're still doing pretty normal human leaps yeah you're right i don't think there's anything I think the, there so then i think the closest one is when ray gets on the falcon at the end even that's probably still within normal human jumping onto the the ramp kind of stuff but because mm. it's just the planet's falling down below her a little bit it's not like it's not crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think... Yeah, okay. Huh. Last there's not Jedi. a whole lot. Actually, there's not a whole lot. At, when you really look at it, Seven doesn't have a whole lot of Force powers. No. Some Jedi mind tricks and the... I don't think it has a name yet, but the Stop a Blaster Bolt yeah. power. Great. Uh, jumping in The Last Jedi? Uh, there's some acrobatics in like the fight with the Praetorian guards. I don't think any of those yeah, are particularly I over there. Any of those a force jump though? Um, nothing with any of the other. Nothing really during the training. No, but how about? I mean, I no, I wouldn't call it a, a jump, but Luke's uh, force slide. That is pretty good. Does feel jump adjacent? That does feel jump adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> jump adjacent. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. Okay, and then obviously episode nine yeah, is we when do. we went giant superhero jumping through waves. Well, we have all of that. We also have Ray in her training course at the beginning is yeah. using force jumps. Yeah, jumping off that big log. Um, uh, we, yeah, we, yeah, I think that's where we're getting caught up. Nine has a lot of it, but yeah. now I'm thinking like seven, eight really don't. Yeah, that force sleep was not a big, uh, a big need there. We see it a ton in the Clone Wars. Lots in the Clone yeah, Wars, but that that makes sense because mm-hmm. we're seeing Jedi just running around doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely fun. see it in Rebels as well. Wouldn't it be so useful to be able to jump from like thirty feet up and survive? How fun would that be? That'd be pretty cool. I'd be. I also think you could make an argument, and then Star Wars universe falling isn't as bad as it is here. Yeah, I mean between the fact that no one has safety rails like anywhere, <laughs> um, and the fact that like. You just you just get the feeling that people are not. No one has like acrophobia there. Like no one is scared of heights in the entire Star Wars universe. No, not at all. Um, it's just a normal thing for them. Yeah, no. There's probably shields or something that'll catch you. What if there aren't? You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Almost no one ever dies when they fall. I mean, tons of people do. But like, I heard about this one guy who got cut in half and fell down a bottomless pit. He survived. You'll be fine. It's such a small percentage. It's so unlikely to happen to you. You really just shouldn't worry about it. Oh, wait, one last thing. That's a really good one to mention. So we know Darksiders have this same power. It's a Sith power as well, because you know who else does have Yoda's fighting style? Sheev Palpatine. (laughs) 
that's fair. he does that bounding around, zipping around. It's fair. not nearly as acrobatic because it doesn't need to be because yeah. he's human height. But like, there's the parts where he jumps and is like doing the spinning screwdriver mm-hmm. like at people. Like, good point. He's. I think it's just when you get old, you just can jump better. Like you weigh less or something. I don't know. <laughs> You're Wrink- more aerodynamic. The, ring- the wrinkles give you some sort of like airfoils uh, to work off of or something. That must be it. Gives you that extra But that's thirst. right. Chief Palpatine totally does that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good stuff. All right. Feeling good? I feel great. All right. Wanna- we have something else to talk about, I think, right? One more. Should we do it? Let's do it. All right. You got red. Mm-hmm. You got blue. That's a color. Green. Uh-huh, like the grass. So we got the most important colors. Those are the sure. most common ones. Sure. There's some extra ones. You see like a cyan here and there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perhaps a perhaps a, uh, a purple. Mm-hmm. We've definitely seen at least one purple. Mm-hmm. But until episode nine, at least in film canon, yeah, yeah. we've not seen a yellow. But now we have. Now we have. So now that they're released out into the world... There's only room for more. Indeed. And so we're, we're getting ta- more. We are. So we're going to be talking about a little a little topic about yellow lightsabers. Yellow lightsabers in the Star Wars world. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, haven't seen a whole lot of yellow lightsabers, you are correct because there have not been many. As Mac pointed out, we know that Rey, her first... Uh, homegrown own design lightsaber with that cool ring activator yeah features a yellow kyber crystal uh that uh, we don't know how she got it yet but one day maybe we will and then we also see some jedi temple guards use yellow lightsabers in uh star wars rebels so let's roll back the clock yellow (laughs) lightsabers start with that's what if you were a little kid in 77 you might be uh, completely forgiven for thinking that that is the color of lightsabers Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. your Obi-Wan and Luke with lightsabers sliding out of their arm was yellow. (laughs) And what a great color it is. I mean, it makes sense. You've got a sword made of light. Why wouldn't it be yellow? Except for the fact that that's only because the lightsaber effects in 77 were incredibly complex, hard to do, and didn't survive most film prints having the nice blue hue to them. So <laughs> everyone interpreted the original lightsabers as just bright bright light. Yes. And is, as you said, when you're in coloring book colors, you're going to use yellow to represent pure sunlight. Mm-hmm. Which makes perfect sense, right? And so that's where these action figures kind of come from. It wasn't until later that they got their correct colors. Yeah, because by the time we get to Empire, color correction and a totally second pass on how we make lightsaber effects in these movies was thought out. And mm-hmm. Vader's w- went from a pink to a deep red and went from a bright to a blue. Yes, yes. Uh, and while they have been adjusted many times over the years, none of them have been adjusted to yellow. 
Correct. So when we got a yellow lightsaber on screen for the first time, uh, Mac freaked out. I, it, so we, we were talking a little bit before the break. You've just recently watched Rise of Skywalker, which has made you less happy with it. Though, like over time, you're going I, like, it's it about, flimsier than I remember. I've watched it about once a month since it's come out on home video. Yeah. So I've seen it probably at least a half dozen times or so at home so far. Um, and I want to like it more, but it's just not happening so far. I'm trying. Well, I think it's, it's, and again, there is, there are things to like about Rise of Skywalker. There's a it's, lot I like about it because it's still Who a Star doesn't Wars like Babu Freak? Exactly. It's still a Star Wars movie and I do still like it. Um, and I'm very happy it gave us a yellow lightsaber. But that end sequence, you could not have sent me off with a better fond, fond farewell yes. than her burying the Skywalker lightsabers turning her own on to test it and it's a totally different color and a radically cool design of a lightsaber with like the ring mount and the fact that there's you can see the emitter chamber like you can see the font of energy getting hitting the crystal and coming out yellow the other side and then she binary sunsets like it's so good and what i love about yellow is it represents why for so many years i have thought of yellow as my color so I think every kid who grows up addicted to Star Wars, at some point you're like, well, if I was a Jedi, my lightsaber color would be blank. Now, before the prequels, we had three. That was it. Total. And as we've discussed before, we have a green one because, well, green looked better against a blue background of Tatooine. And and otherwise, we'd only have two. Yes. So... When you're a kid, you're going like, yeah, but what if I have my own unique color that's never been seen in Star Wars? Maybe it's in the comic books. Maybe it's in the stuff. And I remember this hitting a peak for me with <laughs> Jedi Knight 2 because yeah. Jedi Knight 2 had multiplayer. And one of the weapons you always chose is you always had access to a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And you could not only choose your lightsaber from the seven or so colors they had, you could also mod your game and put them in there. Now, at the time, I didn't know that only I could see that, but it doesn't matter. That's where I learned two things about myself. One... That if I had to choose a default, I chose yellow. Now, red is my absolute favorite color, but red is the bad guy color in Star Wars, so I don't get really that choice because I'm I'm a goody two-shoes and never really fantasized about being a Sith. So I'm like, well, yellow's not the other colors, so I'll choose that one. That seems unique, though secretly. If I had the choice, I would mod in. It would be a black lightsaber with a white core because it looked really cool and edgy in 90s land. And there is no surprise in the whole of Star Wars that I can express how insanely over out of my mind I got when they're like, this was the lightsaber built by the first Mandalorian Jedi called the Darksaber. And it's a freaking black lightsaber with white core. <laughs> and then you couldn't blow my mind more of like, and what if it was in live action? <laughs> So it's almost like the world of Star Wars savers is just being tailored to Mac Purvis the third. Last last year, you could not have made the little kid in me with lightsabers happier when I got officially in live action both colors of lightsaber that were mine. Yeah. Now another thing about yellow lightsabers, why I also gravitated towards them is they do have one major president in Star Wars, yeah. which is. When the role-playing games were being established, uh, the new ones by Wizards of the Coast in the, like, prequel era, this led to um, the codifying of the three different classes of Jedi. 
There was mm. the Jedi Guardian, the Jedi Counselor, and the Jedi Watchman. And this is all, probably most people encountered this with Knights of the Republic, the, the games, because those were the three Jedi classes you could hmm. get. And the way it worked was a guardian is sort of a fighter. Their whole job is they go in there and they defend people physically. They tend to be more physically active and they tend to be better masters of lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And they get blue lightsabers. Sure. And when you think of the characters up to that point, that makes sense. Your Luke's, your Obi-Wan's. Sure. These are people who speak through action. Okay. I'm with you so far. You had the Jedi Consulars and the Jedi Consulars meditated more on the deep aspects of the force and were better masters of the force, more in tune with it, more conduits in which the force would flow and they would have green lightsabers. When you think of your Obi-Wans and you think of your Yoda and you think of where Luke we feel is going to end up post-Jedi, this starts to click off that that makes sense. And then the last color is the color that only exists when you've got gazillion Jedis, and the prequel don't really go to this, but was yellow. And yellow was for the Jedi Watchmen, who in classic role-playing game terms, you've got your, your guardians or your fighters, and you've got your counselors who are your mages, and then you've got your rogues. You've got these people that are stealthy and secretive and uh, subtle in all the way that they do. Mm. And so they made the Watchmen, that the Watchmen is sort of a person who is sort of almost like secret police of the Jedi. They're the ones that are on the edge and watching the dark places and making sure that they're in check mm -hmm. and making sure that people are not strained from the path. And they sort of would be like a Quinlan Voss would be a good sure, example of someone sure. who would be a Jedi watchman archetype. Okay. Okay. And so in the old Republic days, they had the lightsaber color yellow and that's, that's what it was. And in the game of KOTOR I played, I, picked yellow because I picked it in Jedi Knight and I wanted to be yellow. And then I lost my mind when we got to Rebels and you have the Temple Guards and they have yellow lightsabers, making them canon for the first mm -hmm. time. And then Galaxy Edge says, hey, you can make a lightsaber. And I'm like, what crystal is available? Well, you got blue, green, yeah, green, yellow. And I remember mm -hmm. the first person I knew who went there, I'm like, look, um, if you're going down there, for the love of God and all this whole, can you bring me back a yellow lightsaber crystal? <laughs> Oh, I mean, sure, but why, why do you want the yellow one? Like, because I want it. And they don't let you make your lightsaber with the yellow crystal at the, at Savi's. So when I go down there, I need to be able to swap it out for my real color once I get, get my lightsaber. <laughs> I need to make sure that if they stop making it tomorrow, I still get one. Right. I and need you it. did. And I did. And again. Fresh off the Batu boat. It's so cool that Ray has it because I like the, I, I want a rainbow of lightsaber colors. I think one of the most yes. enjoyable things about uh, Jedi Fallen Order is they know what you want to do and you can really have fun messing around with your lightsaber and picking colors you like. And I fought with a yellow one. Um, so yeah, it's kind of my good guy lightsaber colors. So that's the only reason we have sure. a topic is for me just to indulge on how much I like yellow lightsabers. Now, how excited are for you are for, uh, for, uh, how excited <laughs> are you for yellow lightsabers to be included in the high Republic? Uh, very excited because we might get back to, you know, we don't need it for a star Wars game. Those classes I talked about, mm -hmm. but I like the idea of the, the thing that yellow crystals excite me is, it implies there are other places to get crystals than Ilum. Yes. Because Ilum, we're pretty dang sure, like, 
Purple, green, blue. We can all get all those from them. Green and blue are especially common. Yeah. You could see how Ahsoka gets her silver ones from Ilum, but like, there's not a spot of yellow on that planet. How did they get them there? <laughs> and like, I'm a big fan of, I've said many times, like most of my true deep love of Star Wars starts with Tales of the Jedi, the comic book and audio book. And one of the character's entire journey starts with a Degen crystals, which are crystals that make lightsabers. And it's it's like a trade good that's worth quite a lot because it can be used for a lot of other things, which we didn't know at the time. Like, you know, say mm -hmm. potential super mm -hmm. lasers are great for kyber ah. crystals. Sure, sure. Um, So it's kind of cool to see the idea of with the Old Republic, just so much more diversity. And especially when it's written, you, you don't have to have characters that work as CGI characters or work in animation. They can just be completely different you you can have a trandoshan uh you know jedi and not have to explain or figure out all his movements it's just it, that's that's master oh what's his name skos something oh, like that i have not got uh, the point of i am trying he's to got stay, a great guttural noise uh, for a name i'm trying to stay as far away from high republic stuff as possible until it comes out well that was just this piece of concept art was on the official uh, uh yeah. instagram and i'm just going like look at that guy it's a boss who's a jedi he seems to be having a great time he probably goes hiss we're gonna love him he's gonna be great yes yes um so yeah it's very exciting and again more colors of lightsabers is great oh my god we could get a young Oppo Rancisis in the High Republic. Back when he's young. Who knows how long they live? Who knows? It's possible. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, everyone on that council in episode one, they all could be like younger Jedi because we're what, 100 years? 200. 200. All right, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be pretty long lived. Yeah, it's tougher, but it's But possible. again, we could see like, you know, like a, a, a young Yaddle. We're getting Yoda, why not? Yeah. Yoda, I mean, he's 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 just getting over middle age now. Uh, it's very exciting. And thank you for this self-indulgent topic. That yeah, was a ton of fun. I think that's all we have to say about Light lightsabers. Lightsabers are always fun. I mean, can't wait to see more from Ray. I can't wait to see Ray chopping stuff down with that yellow blade. It's going to be great. All right. Let's finish this thing, huh? Sure. The end to another fine episode of Star Wars All In here in the 29th year of the COVID pandemic mm. or ninth month. One of the two. How many single Black Series Mandalorian figures can we get during pandemic during this pandemic? I don't know. With Mando Mano's going on, the, 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 it's unlimited. Yeah. How how many? So, OK, let's just tell it. Let's let's wind back this story. So mm. um, Star Wars has started a product media blitz it's it's sort of the replacement for first fridays this year yeah. we're having how fun is that we went and i do Friday like that to monday i'm a complete show yeah. for star wars stuff yeah, so i'm sure, all for sure. like let's make a celebration of me spending money we're all here to spend money we, get we are so mando mondays was recently announced right before we recorded this episode so let's talk about it for a second 
This is going to be happening. We just had the first one this past Monday. Uh, but every Monday after the episode of The Mandalorian airs, so mm-hmm. beginning that first Monday in November, there will be new merchandise revealed and presumably available for pre-order that day yep. based on that week's Mandalorian episode. So the idea would be, okay, to avoid spoilers, but also to make sure merchandise is available this time around because it really wasn't before. Well, the thing about it was Mando was unproven. It was under a lot of wraps. And I think the biggest thing that is going to like, no, you don't understand. You needed to tell us about Baby Yoda. Do you know how much crap we can sell with Baby Yoda yes. on it? And so and now this the time child. we're prepared. This time we're We are prepared. ready to sell you anything with a small, cutesy Yoda-like bean. So presumably every week we will get things that are based on spoilers from that week's episode. Things that couldn't be revealed until then. Mm-hmm. So for the first Mando Monday, we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got some pop reveals. We got some of these fig pins that are becoming all the rage. We got a Monopoly set, and we got some t-shirts and some mugs. But we also got a new type of Black Series figure. So, these figures are... Well, actually, we got two types of new figures. We got Mm. carbonized in the 3.75 inch in the Vintage Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah, the smaller guys, yeah. getting the the Mando, the Death Trooper, the Cara Dune, and the Stormtrooper, I believe. Which you talked about a few episodes ago. These cool ones with these metallic finishes to them. Yeah, so they're doing it in the uh, Vintage Collection for the first time. And then, in the 6-inch Black Series line, we're getting a new line called the Credit Collection. Now, the first wave is five figures, and these are all figures based on the, um, what I would call concept art paintings, but really they're from a kind of post-concept into production. Sort of. As someone who (laughs) has follows about half the artists that make those, it seems to me that they were part of the whole production design. Some of them were mood piece for concepts to build up, and some of them were to re-encapsulate moments that happen in the show. Like It is about a 50-50 when you see those sequences and scenes at the end of the episode. So these art pieces are being sort of turned into variants of these already issued black series figures so for example Mm -hmm. if you look at the uh what is branded as the heavy infantry mandalorian which as we know the character's name is paz vizsla right played by john favreau the the big blue mandalorian from episode three the sin uh his figure Mm-hmm. is a little different. The original Best Buy exclusive version that was released, the deluxe figure a number of months ago. Well, now this new version, not only do these credit collections come on a vintage-style bubble card back with the art depicted on the card, but they also have a different paint job to match oh. that artwork. I didn't, notice, I didn't realize. So they're on like the blister packs. They're not in like the window boxes. That's correct. They okay. are on, yeah, they're on a traditional, like the 40th anniversary-style Black Series figures on a card in of that nature uh, with unique artwork and a unique figure. Now, this is an interesting one because you could very much talk about these as if they are like concept art variants. And that is well established in Star Wars collecting. You know, we've had that many times well, before. It, sort of. I mean, I remember when I was younger, we had ones that were based on like the Macquarie art sure. and they were, okay. Perfect using, example. Using the interpretations, like they were... Well, were unique figures. They were a different mold. Yes. They were a different paint job. They were, hey, here's a stormtrooper if they had a shield and a lightsaber yes, exactly. as early concept arts had. But I remember later on, there was like the ones that were like tied into like the vintage Marvel comics. And that would be what 
collectors call a redeco. It's yeah. the same mold, but a different paint job. Yes. Um, where like, hey, it's Darth Vader, but he's kind of got blue highlights on him and he's got red lenses on his eyes because that's what the comic book looked like. Yes. This is more like that. For sure. For sure. And all five figures are that way. The Mando figure has a green cape and some slightly different red and silver accents. The Cara Dune figure replaces sort of teal for a little bit of a brighter green uh the ig11 has a bit of a rust look to him a red rust look and the death trooper almost has like a brownish tinge to him as well on top of mm-hmm. his black armor uh and then i already mentioned the heavy infantry mando which has a few different coloring on like his wrist gauntlets and things like that so basically repaints of figures we already have yeah. Now, the credit collection also comes with a little uh, sort of imitation piece of Beskar in there as well, which is mm-hmm. kind of neat. Uh, each one is a different color, and each of these figures was an exclusive to a retailer between Target, Best Buy, uh, and GameStop. Right. Which, and Amazon. Which, let's be honest, so I think we discussed it somewhere along the road in one of our appendixes, but like, if you're a toy collector, 2020 is miserable. It's just miserable because the adult collecting market has gone to the absolute apex of its depravity at this point between the con exclusives being not exclusives, but in ways that are very hard for anyone to coordinate to be able to get them all. Um, You talked about the fact of like you have these Redeca figures that you might have like slight interest in, but you're a collector like you kind of feel a pool to get all of them and you got to go make peace with all of these different purchasing mechanisms on, on all these different times, trying to get all these figures. Yeah. This will be, uh, not my favorite collection. If it ends up being all just uh repack repaint, but maybe we will get new figures in this line as we go. And for that, I'm on board. Well, the thing is like, I, I wish it, I'm a big fan of right now, like, I don't collect this very much, but I got a little FET set. I've got a little group of Mandalorians, mm-hmm. and I've been buying up the Beskar armor. So what uh, the Mandalorian wears for the majority of the show, the shinier steel gray um, armor. And, like, I've been wanting to get it, but I'm like, it's not different enough from my carbonized figure I got, like, on that Force Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want, I want a different mold, like. I would love to have seen like, Hey, we're going to do like a season, you know, a memory of, of Mandalorian. So these are these season one concept artists. I'm like, why can't you done something cooler? Like say like, like Cara Dune without her armor or, or the Mandalorian after the mud horn where his armor's bent and, and and twisted. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I know the practical reason why, because then you'd have to put more work into it and, and it would cost more downstream costs because while Redeco is not completely neutral as far as downstream costs, especially putting it on a different card, you got to change your manufacturing lines. It's still way cheaper than doing any mold or artistic work totally. to change it. Totally. It'll be interesting once we have the best Garmando in hand, because I will have one for you to look at um, how much it will be different because some of that armor is a different shape. Like for example, he's got the mud horn sigil bolted on. on. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, when we have how them much? side by side, what they look like. I am looking forward to that. Um, and one last thing I say is like, it's not all 
pessimistic news because they, they're fine. It's cool that they're doing something. I'm very excited to see what stuff comes out of it. It is worth pointing out that the Mando, the IG-11, the Heavy Infantry Mando, those are all very sought-after figures. The regular, mm-hmm. regular box Mando, not first edition, not carbonized, goes for like $50 still easily. Sure. So and the carbonized one probably goes for 100 So, you know, these are in-demand figures that uh, it is good, if anything, that more people will have the opportunity to buy them. I just hope they're plentiful. Um, you know, the Amazon ones seem to be in stock for a fair amount of time before they sold out. The other ones all seem to come and go really quickly, although I really only tried to get the Mando. I didn't really go hard after the other ones. Sure. Uh, but I was successful. I did order two of the Mando, so I'm not sure. I'm going to obviously keep one and then haven't decided yet what I'm going to do with the other one. We'll see. Well, like I said, it's been a rough year for collectors in the sense that most people who have disposable income to buy action figures, a lot of them are working from home. <laughs> they have nothing but to look at Twitter announcements of where it's going live, hopping onto it. And that includes our scalper friends who are more organized and have more bandwidth and time to do this than ever. So it's it's rough. I as time of recording was the day the Xbox Series X launched, and after myself and some friends going through the PlayStation 5 pre-orders and the Xbox pre-orders, it's just kind of like, it was a bloodbath, and it's because everyone is home doing the exact same thing you're trying to do. Um, and I, I work in it, we both work in still a public-facing stuff, so like I was like, like, hey, let me help you with that, as I'm like looking down at my phone, I'm like, actually, hold on a second, I gotta pre-order something. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. it's just, it's been... Yeah. It's been rough, and we've talked many times about, like, I wish the collector market was more, I wish the incentives for the companies that make so much stuff was more about the meeting demand than it was limited edition. The focus is on limited edition because they'll sell all their stuff, they'll never have overstock inventory that they have to liquidate, so win-win for them, and if people aren't happy, then that's a secondary concern, and I don't think it's going to change, but... Um, it's pretty bad that, again, if you're a Star Wars dad or mom out there, you really can't go get, like, your kids can't have Black Series to play with. And they're increasingly becoming... Sure they can. Do you want Metal Ceremony Luke? Well, but I'm saying, and they're increasingly becoming Luke. less action figure as yeah, we go, too. They be- they're they becoming statues or things you keep in a box forever. So anyway, mm. but I was going to say, it's not all bad news. Uh, one of the other big sought after things that I know a few friends in my end of the c- collector pool are very excited about, which is we have a The Child uh, Lego sculpture now. Yeah, um, People are pretty that. excited about that. It does look that. fun. It does look fun. I have the Borg. I have the BB-8. But I didn't get the Dio, which was kind of the next year, the third version. Sure. Maybe I'll get the child. It's pretty darn cute. I don't it's know. It's pretty cute. Comes with a little cup, I see. He does. You gotta, you gotta have that favorite. stone broth. You gotta yeah. you gotta have that. Yeah. Or a frog, one or the other. <laughs> but again, it's a pretty good time. Um again, man, Star Wars I I am not watching the Star Wars the Mandalorian season two trailer. I know there's like nothing yeah, in it, but I'm trying much, to go in as dark it. as possible. Yeah. Um and we are basically a month away from the Mando premiere. Some would say we've never been closer. I think this is the closest we've ever been. Wow. I am beyond excited. Wow. And we're going to be there the whole ride, Did all the weeks. Did you take off for that? You know, day? we need to wrap this podcast. I need to go do some uh, work on my uh, on my uh, time <laughs> website. Um, so, yeah. Till then, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you.
This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.